Hello, and welcome to Connect, Collaborate, Champion, the podcast of the New American Colleges and Universities, a network of private institutions providing an education that integrates the liberal arts, professional studies, and civic engagement. I'm your host, Sean Creighton. Our podcast speaks with insightful experts about current and future issues affecting higher ed. Thanks for joining us. Our guest today is Michael Horowitz. As the founding president of TCS Education System, Dr. Michael Horowitz has brought with him over 28 years of experience in higher education. He continues to lead TCS and its community of nonprofit colleges and universities in the shared mission of preparing innovative, engaged, purposeful agents of change who serve our global community. Under his leadership, TCS has grown to include over 9,000 current students and over 32,000 alumni. The campuses in the system have expanded nationally while increasing their reach globally. Michael Horowitz, President Horowitz, welcome to the NACU podcast. Thanks so much, Sean. I'm, I'm really pleased to be here. Well, you know, let's begin by having you tell us about your background and what led you to your role as founding president of TCS Education System. I'm a clinical psychologist by education. I received my PhD at Northwestern University Medical School in Chicago. And 14 years later, I became president of the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. I was really inspired to lift the profession of psychology and professional education in psychology. And I encountered an institution that had one program, one campus, about 215 students. And when I came, we were literally one enrollment cycle from closing. So I really had to scramble to implement uh, a plan to grow and thrive. And probably for a good 18 months, also was on the lookout for a merger partner if that became necessary. We grew the institution over eight or nine years to nearly 3,000 students and 20 programs with a focus on blowing up psychology is what I say, but really connecting psychology to many, many fields in addition to mental health, such as business, schools, the criminal justice arena. And so we had great success in that sense. Uh, At the same time, it was now the late 2000s, I saw some emerging issues in higher ed as a small college president that I couldn't ignore. And that led me to believe that the traditional model, particularly in the nonprofit private space was fundamentally broken and TCS could be an answer to that. Wow, I like that story because, you know, it could be a different story. You could say, well, I decided to create this company and try and see if I can get college and universities to come over to it. But instead, it sort of emerged out of your leadership position at one institution and then seeing the opportunities and the possibilities. And uh, maybe for our listeners, you could talk about TCS. And in some sense, you kind of mentioned how the idea was founded but talk a little bit more about how does it work? Like, what is it? How does it work? So first of all, we're not a company. We're a, a 501c3 
nonprofit, as are all of our colleges. In addition, we have a designation as a type two supporting organization, meaning that our nonprofit mission is to support other nonprofits in the same space. So that keeps it really clean and simple and allows us to be a really integrated system. Think of this, that we're a group of nonprofit colleges coming together, not to outsource key functions, but to insource them. So currently we have five colleges and universities and a system office that really tries to do as best as possible, as economically as possible, all of the non-student facing activities that have become such a big part of higher ed, but are really not about the direct education. And that means that our colleges can focus on teaching and learning and advising and the students. And because we are formally governed, our, our colleges join and they're part of this nonprofit system, we really have the buy-in to our, our core belief, which is that cooperation, and we call it radical cooperation, is necessary. What I observed over my years as a single college president was that colleges came together, and while they talked a lot about doing things together, the lack of formal connection stopped them from doing so. So among the many areas that we do, I said non-student facing, admissions operations, as opposed to you know the face-to-face -face admissions interaction at campus, uh, finance and accounting, technology, marketing, help with strategic planning, uh, compliance and legal services, which is more and more a part of running a college or university, human resources systems, really everything, again, that you need, we can do as a group and that the colleges and faculty can then focus on teaching, learning, and student success. I really like your um, kind of use of the word insourcing to describe what's happening versus outsourcing and, and also this like, concept of a radical cooperation. When did you recognize that radical cooperation could be successful? I mean, was it a, just an experiment to begin with and then you saw the benefits or did you had the vision and knew it would be successful right from the start? Well, I'm a keen observer of the environments around me. Uh, as a graduate student, uh, I got to work in community settings and I saw that the more treatment was connected to community, psychological treatment was more successful. The Chicago School really grew because rather than sitting in our ivory tower, we went out into the mental health and business and other communities and asked what they wanted. I've observed other businesses that were successful, even in fields that might seem as far as uh, food and hospitality. I, I've been a keen admirer of the Zingerman's community of businesses, which is based in, in Ann Arbor. And again, 2009, the recession was hitting independent colleges so hard and it just seemed very very obvious to me at, at that point that there was strength in numbers that there was strength in scale we have an abundance of riches in american higher education with so many wonderful institutions and at the same time 
by 2009, it was clear that they were too small for the most part, you know, with the exception of some very wealthy ones to achieve that scale. I like to point out in 1988, when I became an assistant director of clinical training and faculty member, I could use index cards and chalk. And we didn't think about compliance in the deep way that we do now as related to technology and technology wasn't driving, you know, every aspect of teaching and learning and running in the institution. So that, that scale argument was really profound. And I also knew that unless you have high cooperation, you cannot build this kind of connectivity between institutions. And we, we saw it work during the, the worst of the pandemic this last 18 years. We had no layoffs at any of our institutions. We grew year over year, but really the power was in having a community of presidents, boards of trustees, because all of our colleges have their own board, uh, faculty members, administrators that had a community and that could keep uh, spirits high and really talk about, share both pain and challenge and solutions. Yeah, maybe you could share, I guess, how many how many institutions are cooperating radically today through your organization? And was it difficult to convince other institutions to come on board? Or did you just kind of line up with other presidents and leaders that understood this and knew that the positive effects it would have on our campus? Yeah, the, the, we started in 2009. Of course, I was still the president of the Chicago School with one institution. So we created the model. We didn't know if anyone would show up. So we had a system with one university. The next year, Pacific Oaks College, which the president had at the time, they'd been around for gosh, 70 years, I think, had announced they were closing a variety of financial and regulatory pressures. And my wife, who is a developmental psychologist, said, you know, they're, they're really well regarded. And when I was a faculty member, we used their faculty writings and resources. And, you know, we were able to find some board members there that were not in agreement with closing the institution. They liked our model because it keeps the autonomy and identity of the institution alive. And so they joined and they've been prospering uh, ever since. They've, they've doubled in enrollment. They have great accreditation standing. They've launched new programs just this last year, new programs in social work. And then uh, later in 2010, the Santa Barbara and Ventura Colleges of Law an independent law school that had done really well uh, serving adult students for 40 years. They were looking to get greater resources and scale. They joined us. Uh, then uh, in 2014, Saybrook University uh, joined us, a pioneer in, in low residential education. And in 2018, the Kansas Health Science Center. We only have five or the other way of viewing it is we have five great growing institutions with a lot of room to grow further. We've probably talked to well over 100 institutions. So it's really a mutual assessment that is stringent because many institutions are not ready for this kind of full scale 
radical cooperation for the governance tie-in uh, to operate as part of an integrated system. And at the same time, we also are very stringent in our diligence. Over the years, we've gotten many institutions that are really struggling financially and looking for a financial hand. And we are a nonprofit and overwhelmingly the resources are at our institutions. We have very little financial resource at our system office. So we're, we're not the right solution if a college needs money to be uh, bought out of debt uh, or something along those lines. Yeah, it seems like from what I'm, I'm hearing you describe, it's been the combination, your success has been sort of this combination of creating efficiency coupled with growth at the same time and, and that scalability that you, you talked about. Is there a magic number? I mean, you're operating at five now and, and things seem to be working. Is the sky unlimited? Is it, a, what's the magic number? Is there one? Is there, is it endless? What's the possibilities? Yeah, that's, endless is a big number. You know, we, we have kept very strong relationship with our major accreditor, WASC, and we were in a meeting with our presidents and presenting to their leadership team. They asked us that question, could we have 100 institutions within TCS? And I said, I, I don't think that's our goal. What I would rather see is that we have 100 systems like ours because I think this is absolutely the model. And I, I'm a bit puzzled because we're very open about the model and talk a lot about it, uh, why there hasn't been more uptake of the model itself. What we've realized the last couple of years, and we've added to our diligence process, is a new college really has to bring a desire for growth and show their commitment to that. that that's a core belief that we have, that institutions need to be evolving and growing. And so we, we have plenty of room to scale. But given that over you know 12 years, we have five, I'm not concerned about hitting 100 or unlimited. We certainly have room for university six, seven, eight, I dare say even up to 10. And we're always talking. It takes a long time because we have many, many introductory conversations once you get into really learning about the college and them about us, you're probably talking about a, a multi-year process to get through joining regulatory approvals and integration. Yeah, you mentioned having talked to, you know, 100 plus institutions. And do you see a theme, a trend around what those barriers are to moving forward and, you know, joining and participating in some kind of radical cooperation? Yeah, I'm not the first one uh, to observe this. We have challenges in uh, the governance uh, in higher ed. I've also observed similar challenges in nonprofit governance outside of higher ed. Uh, I'm not familiar with you know, for-profit governance. So we have boards of trustees that are well-meaning. Uh, they support their institutions. They don't necessarily understand the fundamentals of higher ed, uh, what drives success and failure. Uh, they don't understand things like graduation and retention rates and what drives finances. And so, of course, the board of a college university has to approve joining us, and they often don't see uh, the issues 
that are that are festering at their institution uh, until it's too late. So we, we've been in dialogue with many institutions where if, if we could turn back time, we saw the opportunity for them. But whatever it is, they let enrollment decline. They accumulated too much real estate in a period of history where real estate is less important. They chase programs that no longer had a market. So getting through that barrier of explaining a governing system, it's interesting because I would say in the public space, you know, every state has a state public system and people understand it. Uh, when we talk about our model and the similarities with that and for the private nonprofit space, there seems to be a, a, a disconnect in understanding. And then, you know, there are people that associate things like having a fully built out finance department as important to their autonomy. And our view is it isn't. Finance is probably the single place where colleges can get improvements in pricing, improvements in effectiveness, in scale. And so, you know, I, I guess at the moment we're, we're crossing over some, you know, long held beliefs that we don't think are central to the mission of education. Maybe you could tell us, uh, like how important is proximity of these campuses? And then also, you know, the role of technology today and how is it accelerating this approach to shared functions across campuses that aren't in the same neighborhood, but maybe just in the same country or beyond. So number one, uh, I realized in founding TCS that proximity was not critical. Uh, that again was a long held belief and you saw some attempts at collaboration with consortia and sharing resources in proximity. But by the late 2000s, I mean, the entire world was saying that the world is connected through technology, many institutions and businesses function across long distance. So some of our campuses are in proximity and it's wonderful. In the case of Saybrook and Pacific Oaks, they've chosen to share a physical location and you know the presidents that live nearby can get together and that's wonderful. At the same time, we have a, a campus in DC and we have multiple on the West Coast and now we're building the medical school in Wichita. So absolutely in today's world, uh, you can tie together through the wonderful things that technology does. Technology is also becoming increasingly complex and important in terms of educating students. And it's, there's also increasing risk. So we have over 60 IT professionals. Uh, many of them work at the college campuses and many of them work in the system office. And it's a great example of when you have leadership over a large group, you have scale, you're not worried about losing a key person or a key function going down, and you're able to bring in systems and pricing and sophistication at the personnel and system level that I think have really served our colleges well. In fact, we started out doing technology in a split model with the colleges supervising their uh, local personnel. 
And after a few years, again, we're a nonprofit. We don't have to do any of our systems in a specific way because that's our business model. The president said, you know, we think this would be more effective if the system office just took over the whole thing. And we did. And in fact, at that point, we were also outsourcing as a group our help desk. We took that inside. We've had great success with this fully insourced and centralized model. Yeah, I was going to ask about the core businesses. You mentioned them early on. And, you know, did do they continue to develop? Uh, do you continue to find new ways to uh, insource in different areas that maybe obviously back in 2009 uh, were not a part of the model that are today? Absolutely, because our colleges continue to grow and evolve and need different things. And, you know, almost on a, I would say, weekly basis, but formally we build it up to a very large group of college leaders and the system office leadership. Uh, we have what we call operating reviews and we get input on what could be working better, what are things that colleges want more of. Many of our colleges place students in training settings. Uh, in the future, that'll be you know, medical school internships. Of course, we have many in mental health, social work, students studying education. So the colleges said they wanted more help in reviewing what are really hundreds of contracts that get generated between a training or placement site and the institution. So that's an example of something uh, that just came up in the last year. We're constantly getting that input and feedback, uh, whether it's bubbling up from college leadership or something that our system office uh, sees on the horizon. So do you think higher ed learned something from the pandemic in terms of driving us towards more collaborative models and alleviation of barriers, creating efficiencies, everything we sort of talked about today. Like, what did we learn from the pandemic that might influence us going forward? You know, I, I certainly hope so, Sean. Uh, I am worried that, because uh, I've observed this with some institutions, that institutions got money uh, from the federal government, which was certainly welcome and needed. And they may think they're out of the woods when they're not. Uh, here's what I learned from the pandemic. Hybrid education will become more and more important, meaning we have to continue to rethink how to most effectively use a combination of online and campus-based education. So that's profound. We'll need more and more sophistication with technology. Definitely the infrastructure but perhaps more importantly, how to teach and learn most effectively, work with the technology. And then I think the need for collaboration and radical cooperation is more profound than ever. Scale, I, I was asked this a couple of years ago at Inside Higher Ed. They said, we're going to be writing a lot about scale in coming years. Is it everything? And I said, well, I, I don't think it's everything. At the same time, it's the biggest factor. So many colleges are just too small uh, to get through the coming years. So they have to find a way to band together. And I think you asked, we, we can certainly have more institutions. I think the model can be adopted uh, in many, many communities, uh, whether they're religious institutions or ones that are 
geographically near each other or just share a certain compatibility, uh, there's no reason that our model can't be scaled across higher ed. Well, I know also just talking with you today and researching uh, TCS, uh, you're very transparent about the work that you do. It's not a secret and you're not willing to share things. Uh, you value cooperation, collaboration, and are truly a leader in this area. I guess what's next for TCS going forward? We're just very excited about what our institutions are doing. I mentioned that Pacific Oaks had launched social work this past year. Here's a great example of something we really value extending across our system. They just got approval uh, for an advanced standing bachelors of social work, meaning students from that program will accelerate their path all the way through the master's degree. We're really founded as an academic system. So we wanna share those learnings about shortening time to degree, making the dollars in education more effective. So we'll keep working with all our institutions to help them affect their growth plans. And we'll keep sharing the model and, and talking to institutions that want to explore uh, joining us. Um, I, we're in it for the long game. So whether we have five or more, we'll keep growing. And as we talk, you know, this podcast to boards, uh, at conferences to higher ed leaders, I hope there'll be adoption of the model uh, in other colleges and universities that aren't part of TCS as well. Maybe in the future, we'll, we'll have a, a community of higher ed nonprofit systems. Well, I'm certainly a fan of that. Michael, thanks so much for you know, taking the time today to share your insights and uh, be a part of the NACU podcast. Thanks for a wonderful conversation, Sean. Thanks for listening to Connect, Collaborate, Champion, the NACU podcast. As president of the New American Colleges and Universities, I'm honored to work with our network of innovative campuses and champion the belief that a comprehensive liberal, professional, and civic education is essential to the future of our world. To learn more about the NACU campuses, visit nacu.edu.